My Mac Podcast number 225, the third time trying to record this intro. Sponsored by Otherworld Computing. Check them out at MacSales.com. You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. And it's time to record the MyMac.com podcast. I am Tim Robertson, and I've got a large cast of, or no, large gathering. No. Well, we'll say large cast. I think that sounds best. Uh, we've got, other than myself, we've got Owen Rubin from the Bay Area. Hello, Owen Rubin. Hi. Sunny and warm. Beautiful day here. Okay. I hate you now. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's very cold and snowy. I have to rub and, that in. Yeah, and it's not even supposed to get over 20 degrees at all this week, so I, I'm not looking forward to driving in this atrocious Michigan weather. But Well, to be honest, we could use a little of that water, though. We're going on our third year of drought, so it's... Uh... It, yeah, a drought's not a fun thing to go through, I'm sure. Uh, Guy Searle, how's Virginia weather? Oh, it's uh, cold and well, it was snowy. Uh, we had quite a bit of snow over the last two days. Uh, but it was in. It was almost up to forty today. Almost be up to forty tomorrow. Back to you, Jim. <laughs> the outlook today. Actually, when it's nice <laughs> and cold and snowy like that, it gives you a perfect excuse, guy, to stay at home and play with your new iLife. I uh, don't have it yet. You don't, don't have it. It hasn't come to the house yet. Uh, I just got. I got home from work today and I had a package from Amazon. I now have in my hand. And of course, nobody can see it. Uh, the new version of iWork09, which once we get done with the podcast, I'll be installing and playing with. David Cohen, cool. are you going to be picking up, uh, have it shipped all the way over to the UK? Are you going to get iLife09? I'm uh, probably going to head down to the Apple Store this weekend and pick up a copy. Mm-hmm. So how's the weather yeah, they'll there? They'll probably we're, have we're it asking, before me. Yeah, we're, we're asking everybody else, how's the weather in the UK today? It's typical winter weather for Britain, which is um, cold and moist and fungal. And fungal. So, you know, it's kind fungal. of like is really... that an actual weather term? <laughs> fungal. Well, it, it's it's <laughs> like it's what I call fungus promoting weather. You know, it's really heavily moist and cold and dark and horrible. Mm. Can't yeah, wait to I've visit the there. UK. I've been over there at that time of year. Nah. And uh, joining us last time, uh, this person was on the show was way back in June of 2006. His name's Alan Lacau. Do you prefer Al? Al's good. Yeah. Al's good. Hello, Al. How's it going? Good, good. Do I have so, to go after a report on my weather, too, or is that... Absolutely. I know you oh, live yeah. up in the mountains. Well, we we have weather here, too. So what's, All right. <laughs> I, you know, That's, Al and I uh, chat on iChat occasionally, and uh, I think it was this last week that we were chatting and, and showing each other what we saw out, out our windows, and he had this beautiful scenery, and I've got all this, like, three foot of snow. <laughs> so what's the weather like there? Um, it's pretty nice. You know, I'm in the Santa Cruz Mountains, so it's uh, sunny, and I'm surrounded by redwoods, and there's a, it's probably a, it's probably in the 60s, something like that. Now, we, we have to uh, – we'll be talking about, obviously, Apple products during the podcast. Al is – you're not an Apple employee, but you're doing stuff for Apple, so we're going to excuse you when it comes to that kind of thing because, obviously, we don't want to get you into any kind of trouble or tick anybody off that hey, you shouldn't, I- that sort of thing. I can say anything I want about about it, so I'm not worried. Cool. All right. So iLife is coming out. Uh, a lot of people already got it. I'm waiting for my copy. I'm just going to go to the Apple Store myself because I need to bring our 14-year-old daughter's MacBook in for repair. It's starting to crack around the seam, which is not a very good thing. 
And while I'm there, I'm hoping to pick up iLife 09. What's the big feature in iLife 09 for you, David Cohen? Uh, well, I, I'm really into um, the tagging, so Faces is probably the one that I'm really most interested in um, because I have so many photos and just trying to keep them organized is, is a real pain. And so uh, I'm really keen to see how well that, that feature works. Do you have it yet, Alan? Oh, uh, yeah, I've I've played around with it and got it. And, uh, I mean, I think really the thing about iLife is the um, garage band, the, the music – section where you can learn how to play an instrument is that pretty cool uh that is it is amazing i mean literally this is a whole new industry that i mean you look at it you think oh yeah there's there's you can learn how to play guitar or whatever i mean i I play guitar but the the thing is that what this represents is in it you know say you're you know sting and you have you have a song and you've sold it and it's been on albums and all that kind of stuff now you get to sell it again as instruction. So what's, what, what it is is you're, you're ex- extending the revenue on uh, music, which is really, I mean, it's just an enormous market. Imagine you see, you, you go through iTunes and you see, you know, buy the video, buy the music, learn how to play it, you know, and, and then you, you, you also probably will p- pay a premium to get the actual artist to teach it to you. But um, anybody really can, can teach, uh, any, you know, accomplished musician can teach it. But it's, a, it's an entirely new market and it's just, it's just slipping in there right under the – like, you know, they're saying, oh, we have this feature. But, you know, I saw that and I'm like, that's the, the newest thing to hit. Um, you yeah. know, to, to the Apple is sort of like – it's just like they're, they're just introducing it. But I think it's really just going to change music. A lot of what you're saying is ringing true for one of our other well, – actually our reviews editor, John Nemirovsky, John Nemo. Uh, during the Macworld Expo, that's one of the things that him and I talked about, and he was really excited. He's actually a music teacher, and he's excited about these lessons that you can buy and play and learn how to play right in GarageBand. I think that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, they show the instrument. You you know you they show you the fingerings as it goes. It's animated. It's beautiful. There's video. I mean, I it's everything that you need to teach something. I mean, it's right there. And I mean, I was in you know school as as a kid. I took you know saxophone and. You know, it, it, it sucked, you know. I mean, to Wait, go it there. It sucked wait. or you sucked? Uh, both, both. Okay. <laughs> but it was just really, you know, I mean, and I also played guitar when I was 16 like everybody, but it was just really tough to try to, you know, do it and, you know, try to find music and everything. And then you'd have to buy a whole book because you wanted one song out of the book, and then you'd have to sort of figure out, you know. But now, um, I mean, I can just go in here and just, you know, find these songs and just learn how to play them you know quickly and from the artist it's just gonna, yeah from sometimes from the artist i think a lot of them are gonna i mean you're not going to be able to get them from, from they use that for the demo but it's it's probably not going to be from the artist um in most cases it'll be from an instructor but still it doesn't it doesn't really matter that much um you can just learn so much faster and it, and it just opens up this whole you know whole new industry of, of music instruction and it's in it's you know op, you know the masses are going to see it and you you know, I think you're just going to see a lot of a lot of people trying to play, a lot of people trying to learn things, make their own music. They're in GarageBand anyway. Might as well put a drum beat back there. And you know, I mean, it's going to spur that whole music. Have you have you actually uh, bought any of the lessons yet? It comes with like t- ten of them, and I, I don't really know where to. I mean, it's not clear where they're going to sell them. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I certainly will. Uh, I mean, depending on what they cost. I mean, I think a lesson would be worth anywhere from, you know, 
five dollars to twenty dollars. You know, so, so Owen, I, don't, I don't know what you know. I don't know what they're selling them for though. Owen, what's the big feature of iLife O nine that you're looking forward to the most? Uh, I don't know yet because I haven't. The only thing I saw, which you were just talking about, was the lessons when they were demonstrating them at uh, MacWorld, and it had the biggest crowd standing around the booth, and it was pretty phenomenal. Um, I, I'm hoping they have a better version of um, iPhoto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I read your account on migrating from your old 12-inch PowerBook G4 over to the new MacBook Pro, or no, it's just a MacBook, isn't it, or is it Mac, a MacBook Pro? Yeah, it's the 13-inch MacBook. I okay. mean, I learned, I learned that don't don't check this one setting. It's an interesting problem, and I suspect a lot of people will will realize it at some point that they have the same issue, and that is. If you keep your pictures off on a separate drive or a server or a NAS drive or something, there's no indication in iPhoto which of your pictures are actually local and which are far away. And mm. when it migrated, all the far away ones didn't migrate. You know, the, the problem is uh, duplicated with on iTunes because you can also check within iTunes, don't move the, the songs, the MP3s from the current location. Uh, so you're going to have the same problem there as well. But at least in iTunes, when you say show me info, it tells you the path. There's no path information in iPhoto. In fact, there was just a lot of little things I'm hoping they fix. If you have a picture named, you know, picture01.jpg, and on a second machine you have picture01.jpg with extensions turned off not to be visible, iPhoto says, oh, those are different photos, so I'll import them both. It sort of skips the... Um, it skips the collision. So when I tried to merge my databases, it told me I had no duplicates. And when I opened up iPhoto, I had thousands of duplicates because when one machine extensions were turned off and the other one they were not. Wow. So what was the fix? Or is there a fix? Um, for, well, first of all, you know what fixes I'd like to see, I'm hoping that they have a better path, and I'd like them to see add, add them. And I've sent this in as a suggestion. Add an icon to tell you if that picture is online or offline because there's no visible way to do it. But what you have to, for me, what I had to do is I deleted everything. I went out to the drive that had all the photos and I re-imported them with that little checkbox turned on so that it copied them in this time. But sadly, if, it, if you say don't copy it and they're on a remote drive, I've got to turn that off. You can't hear my email sound, can you? No. Um, if, no. if you, uh, it's, it's, well, anyway, if, if you didn't know that, in iPhone, it looks as if they've been imported. Hmm. You can't tell. And the only way you will know, they do import a thumbnail. So the thumbnail stays with you. But when you double-click on it, you'll get this spinning cursor of death. <laughs> so what's surprising? I'm sorry? I said, what did you do to fix it then? I deleted everything and started importing everything all over from the beginning. But you did have the original ones on a remote volume? Uh, on a on a DAT tape that I had backed up quite some time ago. Now, isn't it they true? They didn't show up in Time Machine. They didn't show up in Time Machine because they were never there in the first place. Right, because you didn't tell Time Machine to back up that drive. The external drive, correct. Right, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Which is, if, so, if iPhoto is pointing to an external drive as part of your picture library, it would seem to me that I that Time Machine would be intelligent enough to say, oh, I need to go over here and back this up too. But I, I take it that's not the case. It does not appear to be the case. In fact, the problem was, and this is what happened with duplicates. When I imported everything again, I saw two of each picture. So I just started picking every other one and saying, delete. And huh. then when I went to open the one that I kept, I got this spinning cursor and then eventually said that the drive couldn't be found. It was like, 
oh, so I deleted the local copy, not the remote copy. And as soon as I had turned off the, the PowerBook that I imported from, it doesn't, the file the picture doesn't exist anymore. But the icon is still there in iPhoto. Well, Pat and so the... It's a, uh, it's a little you, confusing. Pat and the Ustream.tv chat room right now, Owen is saying that, uh, please tell Owen the iPhoto 09 now shows the file name info equals path. It can show the excellent. file and finder from iPhoto. That's excellent. I mean, that was so needed. Excellent news. So that's I, I'm looking forward to that. I wonder whether they've actually because the old versions of iPhoto actually put the photos in kind of a container, an iPhoto container, didn't they? I wonder if they've changed that and broken that. I was hoping because they went back it, and not doing that. Yeah, that was a new feature in 08, if I'm or 07 or 08, yeah. whatever the last one was. Uh, that was the new feature that it would keep all your photos within the, the container. So if you looked at your iPhoto application within the applications oh. folder on your hard drive, it was huge because all your photos were in there. And the problem is, or was this a problem, if you change one photo, it didn't back up the whole thing again in Time Machine like Owen was having that problem with Entourage. With mail, right. Unfortunately, no, Time Machine doesn't, but external mm-hmm. external backup programs like Retrospect and We'll see it as one file and back the whole thing see up. file and they back it up. And I found it unusual that Apple, which has gone the other way with mail as separate files, and gives you this option to manage the files yourself, went to this container because I don't think novice users – I mean, you can open the container. You can you right-click it and say browse. Right. And you can see the same – you know, month, year, day format they always had, but they're in a container. And I think they did that because people were messing up their photo library by moving pictures. You're probably actually going to see more of that. They're going to, you know, create those bundles. It, iMovie does the same thing. You know, if you, you look at my movie, it'll, it'll, what they're trying to do is, you know, self-contain the, uh, right. you know, the thing. And then you just, you know, right, right click on it or contextual menu and open that up and you can look inside the package. But I, I think you're going to see more and more of that. You think it's more of an aesthetics thing, or do you think there's a benefit to keeping think, everything under one wrapper? There is a benefit. I think they're trying there's to keep definitely. everything together. Yeah. I would agree that's a benefit in general. Yeah, because if you think about it, the uh, I mean, I I iPhoto is using like kind of like an XML database structure, um, and then referencing the photos. So if, if if they don't wrap them all up in a container, then that can break. Um, which I think is what happened to you, Owen. I think the uh, yeah. you, your XML uh, library file for iPhoto was pointing at a drive that, because you'd moved computers, wasn't in exactly the same place, and iPhoto well, then got confused. I, actually, I like the concept of being able to put the pictures anywhere. I mean, that feature is there for very good reasons. I said in this blog, if I have a NAS drive and I have a you know I have three Macs here, I have one on my desk, one I carry. And my wife has a machine, and we want to share our pictures. And I really don't want three copies of them, although in hindsight, maybe that's a great way to back them up. But, you know, my um, PowerBook 12-inch PowerBook only had, you know, a small hard drive in it. So I could fill it up with photos easily. So I like the idea that they can be remote. I just want to see in the in the view that those pictures are, you know, mark them with a little icon like the movie icon is. Mark them with a little server icon oh. so that I know when I'm doing them that they're not local. Or at least the option to turn something like that on, because I wouldn't want to see those icons when I'm browsing through my library at all. So, Guy Searle, what are you looking forward to the most yes. in uh, <clears throat> iLife09? As if I have to uh, ask. 
Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, some of the changes that they've made in iWeb. I was, I was actually kind of surprised that it got kind of a you know short end of the stick at at the MacWorld Expo because some of the things that they did with it were things that Apple probably should have done with the very first version of it, which was to give you some options as far as uploading it. I, I think the main reason why they didn't was they were really kind of pushing the, the .Mac experience, and, and that's how they wanted everybody to use iWeb. They wanted them to use .Mac, so they're getting that extra you know, $99 a year or what have you. Hmm. You know, I, I haven't renewed my MobileMe account yet, and um, I, I'm thinking that I'm not going to. I just... I can't see where I could justify spending a hundred dollars a year, and I yes, I know I could get it cheaper on Amazon, but a hundred dollars a year for the service, and it's just a service that I can get uh, free equivalents on the internet. So, yeah, uh, Al, what do you think? Is for the average person, you know, think mobile me is worth a hundred bucks? I think for the average person that just likes to plug things in and have them work, um, you can't you can't uh, deny the simplicity of it. It, the the yeah. cost, yeah, there is a cost there. I, I know for a fact Waz uses, um, he doesn't use, he uses his iDisk a lot, and you know that whole thing is included with MobileMe. Uh, the the things about MobileMe, you know, back to back to my Mac is is a really cool feature. If if you happen to have the right kind of router that you can get back through, so you can access your Mac. I mean, there's you know I think a lot of that stuff it, it's portrayed as simple, but it really isn't. I mean, I had MobileMe. And it's, it kind of screwed up my mail. And, you know, I have an iPhone, and now I can't delete my mail from my iPhone. And just all these weird things happened. Um, I, I don't really like letting go of the control of things. But but a lot of people, you know, do. And I know people that, you know, the, the husband and wife, both uh, they both have calendars, and they, they sync them. That's know, what they're, we do. They're, yeah. And, and that right there is a pretty nice feature. Uh, they're both uh, involved in the theater. He's a lighting guy and she's a director. And, um, you know, they have busy lives and they can just, you know, sync everything up. That seems like there's a lot of other ways of doing it, but, you know, for people who just don't want to bother, I mean, you buy the Mac, that's the whole thing about the Mac. You plug it in and, just and it just go. works. Yeah, that's the yeah. one feature that I'm actually missing a little bit because my wife and I had just started syncing our iCalendars, iCal, and, uh, <laughs> you know, like two weeks after we started doing that, I let MobileMe expire. And, of course, that stopped working. And I kind of forgot about it. And I was like, the, oh, oops. The, the solution to that, Tim, it's very easy now to sync your um, your calendars with Google Mail, with Google Calendar, sorry. And there's programs um, out there like BusySync that will do it as well. Yeah, you don't you don't need the programs now, though. Uh, Google, uh, Google Mail, Google Calendar supports it directly. <laughs> Your calendars with Google Mail. On that is the problem I don't like about Google Calendar is my calendar is event is sort of public because Google is scanning it all the time. That's true. Right. And and so, so I'm that's... wondering just how public is it? But, well, well, you can you don't have to share it with anybody else. Um, you can't keep it away from Google. But then MobileMe's got the same problem. Apple can see your calendar if you sync it with MobileMe. So it's only the same thing. Yet ultimately, you, you're you're trusting the, the the server end to uh, to not you know scalp your data and, and use it for things you don't want them to. But um, you should write a you know, blog on a, that. So. Yeah, I think that'd be I, a great I, blog. I, how to, how to I've got quite a, Yeah, I had I had to, um, 
I had a quite a complicated setup because I've got um, PC calendars that I also need to see all in one place. And I'm basically using um, the Google Calendar and, and my iPhone to allow me to do that. So uh, maybe I'll write that I would love up. to know how you do that. I would love to know how you do that. It's, um, okay. I'll, I'll, I, I think that's definitely a, something a blog should, should showcase because I would like to know detailed instructions on how to do it as well. And I know how, okay. but still, it's one of those things sure we that could you don't figure think it about out. it. If you've already done I will, it. Yeah. I'll write it out for the next fenestration column. Awesome. Sounds great. Correct. So, Al, let's talk why about don't you. Why don't you do it with, like, a, a video screen capture? Uh, yeah, that might be an idea. Maybe. I have to, hmm. We don't, you know, we don't really do enough video at MyMac.com. We have the capabilities, but we just don't sure. seem to do it as much as, uh, as we really should, I think. Who? Well, once I get a, once I get a hold of uh, of iLife, I, I plan on trying trying my hand at it. I, I haven't really done too much. You know, I've played with a lot of the programs that do it, but haven't haven't actually you know put anything up yet. Yeah. So that's a question for you, Tim, because um, you were pretty you were pretty down on iMovie 08. So are you looking forward to getting to to play with iMovie 09? Not really, not really to be honest. Um, I think I'm just going to finally make the permanent leave leap to uh, final cut pro and yeah. uh what is the adobe final cut express go, go ahead and do final cut express um i well i actually do some videos professionally so i could really use final cut pro there's a few things in there that i like but um i don't know what's the uh, adobe one uh, i've actually got it premiere pro premiere pro i have premiere pro and it's one of those software titles that i keep meaning to dig into a little bit more it's on my hard drive. It's ready to go. You've used Final Cut. You can use Premiere. They're very similar. Yeah. It, actually, I think Premiere is even closer to iMovie than it is to Final Cut Pro. I mean, I went I movie, you know, You know why iMovie was killed, right? Mm, I, I, my personal opinion, it was getting too powerful. It was to get. It was biting into uh, Final Cut Pro business. Yeah. I mean, people Real were buying yeah. iMovie, and you could do, especially if you buy plugins, you know, you can buy, you know, for 150 bucks, you can buy plugins. In iMovie. G3. Yep, G3. Yeah, G3, right. Um, this, you can buy way. them. Go ahead, Al. Yeah, you, you can, <laughs> those plugins will make your, your iMovie, as, you know, your iMovie HD as powerful as, you know, anything you need. I mean, for professional video, you don't really need a lot of stuff. Like, if you're doing movies, maybe you need Final Cut Pro. But if you're doing, like, documentaries or um, corporate video or all that stuff, it's just faster in iMovie. I mean, you just get in and out, your gut, you're done. You know, lower well, yeah, overhead, but the, it's quicker. The one, the one thing that iMovie has never been able to do, though, is multi-track. Um, well, you can get plugins that can do that. Yeah, you could do that with uh, Bruce's stuff, Bruce G. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know he had a multi-track plugin. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. When when uh, they changed iMovie, uh, one of the first people I talked to, uh, I rang up Bruce, and I was like, "What's this going to do to you?" Does is there a plug-in architecture so your stuff's going to work? And he said, nope. They Apple basically just shut us right out of the market. And, uh, of course, at the time, he told me he's going to move everything over to Final Cut Pro. But which just, he did. Yeah, which he did. But still, I mean, he had some plugins that would make iMovie 9 out of 10 times just as powerful as Final Cut Pro. And, of course, it's it's a $79 program as part of the bundle. Yeah. I mean, and so Final Cut, like that. what does Final Cut cost these days? I don't even know what Final Cut's going for. We're getting really laggy on you, though, Owen. Uh, your your connection's starting to go bad on us. 
oh, it's Thursday. That means my voodoo box is probably downloading. (laughs) (laughs) That might be, uh, you might want to check that. They seem to do that on Thursday afternoons. Hang on, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. I think, think, Al, supporting what you're saying about iMovie is the fact that they... um, they pulled the download for download for iMovie 06 off the Apple site uh, just a couple of days ago. Did they really? Oh, they can't yeah. Get it. Yep. yeah, you can't get it anymore. Ugh, that's just... Well, now, iMovie, iMovie 09 now has some of the features that earlier versions of iMovie had. So, But it still I, doesn't I have that... Wonder... It doesn't have that plugin architecture, though, Guy. Well, that, that's, what I would, that's what I was wondering. I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, now that that some of those you know effects and stuff that were that were in the previous versions were there would it be possible for somebody to make plugins for it again it might not be as easy nope. no i don't think oh, so they don't have the architecture for it. yeah yeah now they they purposely did that as they you know they you know and there was a big there's like whole user groups that are iMovie user groups that all use iMovie HD still and they don't even you know it's just enthusiasts. I, I use it still. I mean, it's it's one of those software right. that anytime I get a new Mac, I go download it. I've actually got it local, uh, the the disk image, so I don't have to worry about getting it from Apple. But, wow, I didn't know that they just pulled it off the, the Internet there, David. Hmm. It's, yep, uh, they uh, pulled, pulled the yeah. download a couple of days. Yeah. I'm not surprised, though, because it's, it's still, to this day, a much better program than the brand new iMovie. So, Alan, you, you know what's cool? Go ahead. There's one thing that's cool about Adobe Premiere, which is really weird. It has uh, like a voice recognition thing in it. Yeah, I've been looking at that. It, it, it's not great, but like if, if somebody keeps saying, you know, um, you know, hacksaw, you know, and they keep saying it, you can look for all those places where they say hacksaw. And it, it has a way of, you know, streaming through. I mean, this is the one feature that Adobe Premiere has that I got to admit is kind of cool premiere used to be the big you know the, the big video program that everybody wanted because it was you know adobe and it was great and everybody well, had that it. and avid and well yeah. avid was more the pro version and then the, the desktop was kind of the, the premiere and then um apple tried to um they wanted to do a uh, a video uh, application and they asked adobe jobs asked adobe if they would do one and they said no the mac platform's gonna die <laughs> gonna go away. We're not. We're not interested. And Jobs got pissed off, and he went off, and he bought you know a couple of companies that had you know iMovie like product and a Final Cut Pro product, and um, the rest is history. I mean, in a matter of a couple of years, I've, I've gone to NAB um, every year for like ten years, and uh, you know it used to be Avid was all you know like gigantic booth and everything, and then it got to the point where Avid was just this little you know couple guys in one of those little mini booths, and. Um, Final Cut Pro was this gigantic, you know, black thing and just packed with people. So I, I still get the uh, the press releases from Avid, and it's like, wow, you guys are still around? And then you check prices, <laughs> and you're like, man, you guys. I mean, because they still sell the entire solution, the hardware, the software, everything. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. it's still, it's, it's <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I can get a Mac Pro, max it out with RAM, two 30-inch monitors, and Final Cut Pro and a whole bunch of plugins with, with eight and I'm, gigs of RAM. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm still half the price of what you guys are selling the Avid solution for. It's crazy. I, I had, you know, I used to build video production. I used to build production, and we had an Avid 9000. And the only advantage of an Avid was the hardware accelerators. Yep. You're right. Today, a good high-end Mac Pro maxed out with RAM would probably keep up with it. Go ahead, David. I know you're but getting. I was going to say. 
Yeah. We're, get, we're getting a whole lot of lag, aren't guys. They... Sorry about that, yeah. listeners. Yeah, <laughs> aren't having uh, quite uh, embedded in the broadcast studio market, though? Isn't that where the revenue is? Uh, yeah, it was, but my understanding is a lot of the broadcast studios are starting to migrate off of those systems because... You mean Avid? Yeah. Right? No, Avid's now film. Most of Avid's money comes from um, film editors. Yeah, but so they take look... their same product, they have an Avid film device that they uses to pre-edit films. Yeah, but if a lot of those edit... film guys are starting to go digital now. Uh, a lot of them. Yeah. But take a look at the end of most theatrical movies, and you'll probably see the Avid logo. Yeah. So, Alan, now talking about moving away from the consumer product the way Apple did and kind of dumbing it down. So if you want those features, you have to buy Final Cut Pro. Uh, you do. You have your own photography studio right there, uh, probably sitting right behind you right now, right? Yeah, right behind me. Yeah. Is your fear that iPhoto is going to get so powerful that it starts cutting into the Pro apps? Do you think Apple would uh, uh, dumb it down, as it were? Well, I think iPhoto has got a few problems. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, Aperture is meant to be the pro product, of course. Uh, but iPhoto still, you know, like, uh, you know, like I think a guy said or um, th that, you know, you don't really know what your photos are. And it, the thing about a Mac is that they have these programs, iTunes and, and iPhoto, that, that store your assets right on your drive. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, it, people say people ask me all the time. What kind of Mac should I get? I, I was going to buy a Mac, and I want to know, can you tell me, should I wait, or should I get, and, and if I get one now, which one should I get? And I go, you know what? It doesn't really matter what Mac you buy right now. If you want a Mac now, you should get one now. It doesn't really matter. They're all really dang fast, and probably you're never going to use half of what it does. The only thing that matters, really, the, the, the top thing, is how big your hard drive is, you know, because you're going to fill that, that thing up with pictures or video or, you know. I mean, and pretty quickly. Video. Yeah. So, you know, if you buy a machine, you know, get, you know, RAM. I mean, RAM is cheap. You know, get as much RAM as fits in there, but get the biggest hard drive you can you can do, you know, because that's going to make the difference. Um, otherwise, for me, I don't, you know, I don't keep my, my MP3s on my computer, you know. I mean, that's crazy. You can't, you know, if you, you fill it up with, you know, just stuff. So I always, I have like an extra, another drive that's, I'm actually using a tower, so I have another whole drive in there that I just put that on. And it's just your media. Yeah, it's just my media. I just separate it, you know. And I, I'm always doing things like downloading movies from TiVo, you know, using uh, TiVo to go. I don't know if you ever use that, but oh yeah, you can just connect right to your TiVo DVR. And um, and then when you get it over, then you just take it into Toast and then export it for your iPod or something or your iPhone. And that all that stuff goes right into iTunes. So you just you would just fill. I, you know, I wouldn't even be able to use my computer if I kept stuff. <laughs> It'd be too full, right? Yeah, I mean it's crazy. So let's talk a little you, bit before we've got a, a contest that we need to uh, mention and talk about here in a few minutes. But first, Alan, I wanted to talk a little bit about you. I mentioned that you were on the show in June of 2006. But a lot of the listeners out there probably never heard that show. So why don't you explain who you are what? and what you do? Um, I'm a designer uh, in the Silicon Valley area in California, and uh, you know I do just about everything. Mostly work with startups. Um, and I've been doing it since '95 uh, you know, or so. You know, went through the whole dot com thing. I I do a lot of different things. You know, for Apple, and um, I I'm the designer for Steve Wozniak. And you know, if you ever seen his metal card, I did that. Um, 
and you know just I'm just doing everything you know always working with different kinds of startups I always have people coming in with crazy ideas and it's just sort of you know what I like to do and I just I work out of my home and uh, it's just uh, it's just a different kind of uh, career I, my mom still has no idea what I do <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain <laughs> isn't it too hard to explain just you know don't you know but I, I think you know one of the things about it is that um, more and more people are going to start seeing you know you're going to want to work from home you know you're going to have webcams and you know like we're, we're talking over you know and I am right now you have webcams and, and all these different you know tools that really you don't need to waste gas to drive to work you don't need to drive or you have you know space in some building and and waste time you know drive an hour to work an hour back and it's just it's just all a waste and I think you know in the coming years you know a couple of years you're going to see just a huge explosion of telecommuters and you know the price of gas all this kind of stuff so you know what I do is I'm I'm trying to kind of be ahead of the curve and just be all set up for this and I already do it so um I don't know that's kind of it's really I can't even describe what I do see so that there you go <laughs> do you like the the working with the the smaller startups as opposed to working for say an HP or an Apple is is there something about the the smaller companies that you like better or is it just a different uh, type of client I would imagine they're, that they're probably more open minded <laughs> Well, they're they are you know they are what they are, but the difference is is that um, oftentimes I'll just be dealing with directly with the CEO, um, and and whenever you do things in a startup, you actually can affect the course of the company. You know, I might you know I might change their whole idea. I do corporate IDs. I'm, you know, I might do all these different things. It changes the perception of the company and does all that kind of stuff. For, for a while, I, I was at 3Com when I was uh, when a startup that I was in got acquired, and um, I worked at 3Com and. Man, you know, I it was so uh, big, and just I figured out that I could go to work every day and just not do anything for about a year before anybody would really notice. <laughs> and and it just felt weird. Yeah, I knew I've, I've been in no those situations. Did, yeah, no matter what I did, I wasn't going to screw something up so that the company would go under. But I was also never going to do anything great that was really going to make much of a difference. So it was wasn't really very satisfying for me personally because I just feel like I need to be able to do things. But I can see how it would be a, a nice job for a lot of people, you know, that that sort of you know like the routine and you know it's it's just not for me. That's all. I know you were working with uh, Steve Wozniak as far as his presentation for the Axiotron booth goes. Oh yeah, he he did the um, he demoed the mod book. Uh, which is the a laptop where the whole top of it is sort of flipped over and like kind of welded it down, and it's just a, it's like a giant tablet. And it, he he was uh, going to demonstrate the text uh, recognition aspect of it, which is you know the trickiest thing to possibly do. And I mean, he called me, uh, you know, it was like the day before MacWorld, and he said, or it was two days before MacWorld, and he said, you know, I, I got to do this demo. You, would you like to come down and maybe help me out with it and figure out what I'm going to do? And I'm like, okay, what's it for? Oh, it's for Macworld. Well, that's tomorrow, isn't it? <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I go, well, when did you want to do it? He's like, how about now? You yeah. know. So I just drove over to his house and we just kind of brainstormed the whole thing. And he's, you know, he's 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 really good about you know, being able to come up with ideas and, and stuff. But he, he always does, like, the hardest thing. You know, he's... That's, do you think that's his engineering hardest. background? I guess. And and I'm like, you know, Waz, you can't... 
you know, that's going to be like, if you don't do this exactly perfect, it's, it's, it's not going to work at all. You know, why can't we just do something simple? You know, and, you know, he, he's like, well, I want to show him how to write an Apple script. I'm like, how about if you just show him how to write your name? <laughs> you know, of course he wins out and he did end up showing him how to do the Apple script and it kind of worked the fir- first few demos. And then the final day, it really was, he had it down working perfectly, but, um, we saw one of the ones know, that didn't work quite as well because we were trying to do, uh, <laughs> it's a funny story. We were actually at the booth right next door, getting ready to do the Apple quiz. And, uh, we were supposed yeah. to start at one thirty, and he came out on stage at the Axiotron booth right next door. So yep, there goes our audience. Yeah. At one thirty one. He, here comes Wozniak <laughs> completely stole all the audience that we are, the, the whole crowd that we were going to have. And we basically had to stand there and wait for him to get all done with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was funny. There was another guy from Adobe that um, that I was talking to. Uh, uh, he was a uh, um, the project manager for Photoshop, and oh, he, I think he was on the maybe he was on the Axiom booth for some reason or something, and he um, showed up there, and he um, was in the middle of his talk about whatever. Um, I think all the people started showing up basically. Yeah. I thought they were there for him. He's like, wow, this is really great. You know, all these, wow, you know, it's really going to be great. And then he. That t- was Brian Hughes, I take it. It was Brian Hughes, yeah. Yeah, he's been on our show. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Yes, he he's um, fun. And he, uh, he, he took the, you know, when he got off the stage, he's like, man, there's a lot of people here. And then he's handing the mic and he looks at who he's handing it to. And he's, he, he told me, he goes, I was handing it to Waz, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's just like he goes, oh, I now I see because he didn't even know what was you know going on, but so, it was it's fun you know Steve Steve uh, you know he likes to go to those things but it's kind of hard because he always gets gets mobbed. Oh, I can imagine, and that's that's but, why I've never really uh, tried to get him on the show too much. It's like yeah, it'd be fun to have Steve Wozniak on the show, but I just, I don't want to uh, geek out or anything. I don't want to be the fanboy podcast interview with Steve Wozniak. I'd rather him oh, come right. on the way you are right now and just is that, and you know, he probably that's the the thing. If you if you try to schedule something with him, it's it's like anything, you know. It's just you know, he, he it, it doesn't really he doesn't really um uh like to follow the schedule, you know. Uh but if you're just there talking, he'll I mean he's he if you walked up to him in a Mac world, he's much more likely to talk to you than he is to talk to, you know, the CEO of Adobe. Oh yeah, that's the kind of guy he always seemed to be. He he doesn't really. Um, he'd rather just talk to people who walk up and maybe they have a machine they want him to sign, or you know he'll talk to you know kids or people that just you know he always talks to you know the the ones you wouldn't expect. And 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 the funny thing is, in in the years that I've known Waz, I've met all these other computer pioneers that are friends of his, all these different people, and every single one of them is a little weird. You know, they're, yeah, they're just a little bit weird um, because they, you know, and, and, and normally, you, you know, you, they were the, they're the people at the party that you just kind of don't hang out with because they don't seem like they're, you know, telling jokes All or whatever. There. Yeah. And but but the thing is, they the, the thing that makes them great is that they're different. And um, and that's part of the whole thing. And if you, if you look at the people that he'll talk to, he's, he's much more likely to talk with somebody who who just seems like they're more of an outcast. You know, because he he knows. You know, he was the same way, and um, it's just, and it's just. I guess maybe there's like an unseen thing that you can pick up, some vibe. But um, you know, and 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 over the years, I've begun to realize. You know, you really need to celebrate people's differences. You can't. You know, it's we're really quick to say, oh, you know, um, 
can you believe that the that the CEO of that company had dyslexia and he's he's made it so far and he's he's done all these great things even though he overcame this disability you know and 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 you know you come to look at that and you say well maybe maybe the problem is that it's not a disability the the reason he got to be so far is because of this thing it's yeah. a feature you know it's like a feature you know and um the the differences that we have as people are the things that really um you know, that really create change. I mean, everybody's, you know, they say think different, but they kind of want you to be homogenous. And when you are different, you're ostracized. But, you know, being different, it really takes a lot of courage. I totally agree. And we, I've preached that for a long time, that it's it's the differences. And, and yet at the same time, uh, the, this whole internet thing, being able to communicate like we are right now, uh, using sites like uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, your own blogs, it's bringing people closer together. And that our differences are strengths. We learn so much from each other. And it's because I think this generation that's growing up with a computer. Now, none of us on this podcast right now grew up with a computer. We grew up and then the computer kind of became what it is. <clears throat> My kids, uh, ranging age from 1 to 14 years old, they're just going to take this stuff for granted. And they're going to be so much closer to the rest of the people on this planet than we ever thought was possible when we were young. Do you agree with that, Al? Yep, I think so. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a, a lot of differences, sure, between us and our kids. You know, um, but uh, yeah, I don't. We're I think we're the lucky ones. We're the ones that ha had both sides of the coin. You know, we were there. You know, when there wasn't and when there was. So we're a generation that really has seen a lot. The new generation that comes out. I mean, who knows what they're going to see? You know, how what they're going to be like. I mean, I. Even to this day, I mean, my, my little girl, who, when she was in preschool, was using computers. You know? Yeah, and oh. when I was in preschool, a, a computer was something that I saw on Star Trek. <laughs> it wasn't oh, yeah. something that I could ever use myself. It's, that I, was crazy. Let me ask you, what was, the, uh, what was the one design, the one project that you worked on that you could point at and say that was the funnest and that was the one I'm most proud of? Urbango. Really? Oh yeah, without a doubt. The people at Kerbango were um it was one of those companies we just put it together and it was the dot com era and the people like the CEO, he was one of the lead engineers on the for the Apple Lisa. The the that was um John Fitch, uh, Jim Gable, uh he was um in uh, he's in the book Insanely Great about the Mac. Um he was on the team that invented TrueType and shipped the laser writer, you know, um uh Carl Hewitt, uh, one of the guys who um did a lot of work on the 7100 and then uh, went off and helped build the company Power Computing. Um, you know, different people. Uh, Bruce G. was was in Kerbango, too, and near the end. He, you know, he was the guy that shipped the first he, – he's the reason that there was a floppy drive in the PowerBook. I mean, you know, um, he, he's the guy that, that said, hey, let's not, um, let's not ship the, the laptop with a case. Let's ship it without a case. <laughs> and and it, it, it burgeoned an in industry. Because yep. up to that point, every single computer that was shipped had a case. And, and, and he was the one to say, let's just not ship it with a case. And then all of a sudden popping up here, you got Kensington and all these big companies making cases. Now uh, wasn't more than a year, and there's no computer shipped with a case. <laughs> you know, I mean hey, – Remember so the, all the first Luggable had a case. Yeah, yeah. All the people that in the company that, that was in Kerbango just were – each one of them was just a great person to know. You know, and so I think in the work that I did there, you know, I did the ID and, you know, worked on the device. It was an Internet radio. And um, uh, 
you know, and we got acquired and all that stuff and built a website, just all the things that, you know, you do. It was really the people that made it just the greatest place to, to work or to be. I don't think they'll, for me, there may never be another Kerbango, but. I was going to say, do you, do you actively look for that next thing like that? Or do you think that something like that is just a, a relic of the past? I actively look for it. And I, I think, you know, maybe, you know, well, maybe I'll see it again. Um, and I'm, I'm involved in startups now, you know, some really cool, cool things too. Um, so, you know, and I'm actually working with Carl and Bruce and I, some of the Kerbango guys still call me and they all are different company, either started companies or and they're always asking me to do different things. So um, I'm still kind of working with them, but you know, I'm, I'm waiting for that one startup to come along and then just hit it out of the park, you know. Well, someone come up with a great idea and call Bruce G. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah this guy's full of ideas. Oh, yeah. he's brilliant. I love Bruce G. He's got G. A, great, a great iPhone app coming out, too. A great game. Yeah, I know. I was trying it on the showroom floor and I sucked at it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be cool. It's, it is. It's going to be cool. And, and I'm working on that, too, that, that game. So, um, you know, it's he's putting a lot of effort. I think people are going to start playing it, and it's going to be very cerebral. I can't really say the name of it, but um, you know, it'll it'll be out there, and it'll either make it or it won't. I was surprised like at how a, many pictures that is built into it, as opposed to hmm. how big the application. I was like, really, that many pictures, and it didn't seem yeah. like it, but that was impressive. Yeah, it's you know, iPhone iPhone apps. You know, they still are. You know, the economy is really bad and everything, but people are like, well, I can spend. You know. Uh, a buck or two bucks on a on an app for my phone and feel like I bought something cool, you know. So I think those smaller items, a lot of the applications that you see, you know, a lot of these things like Pulp Motion and all these, all these like kind of one trick ponies, you know, they're out there slideshow things. They're going to probably do pretty well because people want still want to buy things, but they just don't have the money. Well, I'll use that as a time to plug uh, the app that I help create, and that's Big Words. Anybody listening out there have an iPhone or an iPod Touch? Uh, it'd be really cool if you can go up to the iTunes store, just do a search for big words and you will find it. it's two words, big words, real simple to use. You simply type in whatever the message is, hit uh, return and hold up your iPhone. Your entire screen will go black and the text that you just typed will scale to the size of your screen. So if you used one word, it'd be a great big, big word. If you used a whole sentences, it'll go a little bit smaller. But you just hold up your iPhone and someone on the other side of the room could read it. You can pass notes. You can, uh, in a meeting, it could be a, a great time waster. And if you're a student, you can use it to cheat. So, <laughs> and it is only 99 cents. So um, let's, uh, I think we need to jump into the contest, Guy Searle. Okay. Uh, the contest this week is, and I talked about this a little bit last week. Actually, I talked about it a lot last week. While we were at the Macworld Expo, we did the Apple quiz. We asked... Yep. It wasn't trivia questions like it was two years ago. This time it was a visual test. You looked at a extreme close-up of whatever the product happened to be, and you had to come up with the correct answer. Every single right. person won. Or facial hair. Or facial hair in the in the case of uh, Indianaco. Yes, we, we had his mutton chops up there. So it was a roaring success. We had a great time. But unfortunately, those who were watching us live in Ustream and those who were listening on the podcast, there was no chance for them to win, David Cohen. No. So we have to rectify that. So the two companies that we Absolutely. did the Apple quiz at, ProSoft Engineering and Spec, have agreed to go one more go-round, and we're going to pick two winners on next week's show. The way to enter is to send an email to tim at mymac.com with your name, address, 
phone number. Phone number is very important. And uh, if uh, you're selected, you get a choice of a spec product for your MacBook, MacBook Pro, iPhone, iPhone Touch, or I'm sorry, iPod Touch. Uh, you name it, we'll we'll get it shipped out to you. Just don't pick something uh, super big. Uh, they they won't send us the bags. <laughs> what about what? What if I have a PowerBook 520? No, I think they're out of luck. <laughs> no. The the uh, what was that? That was the the Blackbird. Was that the name of that one? Yeah. Yeah, I've actually got one of those guy in my basement still, <laughs> and it still works. It it actually will boot up. And I had I had, I had a Pismo and loved it. Color um, black and white. Pismo was a great machine. I, I had the Lombard, Pism. which is basically the same thing. Yeah, but spec didn't do cases for any of those. No, spec wasn't around when those computers were out. So. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I don't think that should be an excuse. No, that's not an excuse. Come on, spec. <laughs> you can make one a year. You you might sell it. <laughs> yeah. So let us also the original Macintosh portable. There you go. So let us also know in your submission. Shipped with a case. Yes, it did. It was a case. If you like it, I have one in the the garage. You want one? (laughs) Uh, no. Okay, so (laughs) make sure also in your submission to put in whether you want an iPhone product, an iPod Touch product, or a MacBook, MacBook Pro product, and what size MacBook or MacBook Pro you have. I know it's a little confusing, but just think name, address, phone number, and what you're trying to win as far as, you know, uh, are you looking for something for your iPhone, a case, something like that. Uh, yep, I, I was going to mention that, Al. I just got your, your text because I saw that earlier, and that's something I want to talk about in a minute. The other thing that we're giving away is from ProSoft Engineering. We're going to give away a copy of Clicks and Here. Is that right, Guy? Yeah, clicks in here. And here, I mean, I, I got a, a, a demo of here while we were out there. We were, you know, still waiting for uh, Mr. Waz to get off the stage. And he, they played it through a typical 20, I think it was a 20-inch iMac. It was uh, Transformers. And it, it sounded, you know, it sounded okay, you know. And then he turns on the program that has, you know, a couple things set up for it. And it was it was night and day how much better it was. It, yeah, it was amazing. The, that demo they had going there was very impressive. Yes. So we're going to give away a copy of both of those software titles to one person. Now, going to be a little different. You can't enter this contest, Guy Searle. You can't? No, you cannot enter the contest to get the ProSoft Engineering software. Next well, how, week, how, how can you win it if you can't enter? Well, here, here's the tricky part. Next week... During the actual recording of the podcast, and we record seven to eight, or I'm sorry, uh, six to eight Eastern, and that would be what three to five on the left coast. <laughs> um, go up onto mymac.com, and you'll see that we have a chat going, and it's a video chat and audio and uh, text chat. You can actually see me recording the podcast. You can hear the guys on Skype, and right, smoking can, cigarettes. Yep, smoking cigarettes, and you can see the people actually participating in our chat. I'm going to randomly select someone, and it can't be a staff member, out of the chat room next Thursday night, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So you have to listen to the show live, and I'll pick someone randomly who makes me laugh with their, with their, uh, (laughs) with their, I don't know. With assistance? Well, yeah, okay, let's go with that. I was going to say with their uh, text chatting on uh, Ustream. I'm losing my voice again because I've been sick yeah. the last four days, if you can't tell. Saying, pick me, pick me, pick me doesn't work. No. <laughs> no. That won't work. It's worth, Sorry, it's worth saying 
it's worth saying to uh, to anyone listening to the podcast now, it's going to be a lot easier for you to win, I think, if you actually create a login ID on Ustream and then actually log in so that you have a, a proper handle. Uh, yeah, a, it, a distinct name. If, yes. you, if you come in as a guest, you just get assigned Ustreamer and a number, and it's very difficult to figure out who you are. Um, so uh, log in first and before you come onto the stream. So here I'm checking the ProSoft engineering site right now. Actually, this is at JoeSoft, which is part of their company. Here right. is a $50 program, and Clicks is a, a $50 program. Hmm. No, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Clicks is a $30 program. So you're going to basically get $80 worth of free software simply by watching the show live at MyMac.com or Ustream.tv. And, uh, hey, yep. you can't beat that, right? It sounds like uh, that Owen could have used uh, Clicks. Yeah. Which is a digital picture recovery program. You might have been able to use that, Owen. Might have saved your really? photos for you. Yeah, that's what it does. They have yeah. to log on to their, their website and download it. They have a demo, that's so. JoeSoft.com. Yep. I have kind of a funny story about that, that kind of software. Go for it. But, um, I have a friend who works at Lexar, and they make uh, the, the media that, um, that you put in cameras and stuff like that, the, the SD cards and compact flash and all those things. And he was telling me um, they have like a little program that um, doesn't really do much. It just it did, it did the recovery of you know images that had been deleted. And... Um, it was pretty cheap, and uh, they just kept getting a lot of sales for it in certain areas. And this was before, you know, these things were really prevalent. It's like, what's going on? Why? And they and they looked deeper into it, and what it was, it was these um, camera rental places where they would rent these digital cameras, and it was sort of the people would be renting the cameras for all these porn port oh, sites. Oh no! And then they'd bring the camera back, and they'd of course erase the, the card. <laughs> but these guys were just going in. And it's like they, they did all this, you know, he was really proud of all this detective work he did to find that out. But I thought it was kind of funny, you know, just just like the whole Internet itself, you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be where it is if, uh, you know, if there weren't somehow if, if you didn't tell little 12 year old boys, there's naked ladies in there, you know, it, it motivates them to learn Unix. You know, I mean, what else would do it? You know, I, would, uh, I heard a story. I think it was around iMovie 2 version 2 that it really exploded in the porn industry that iMovie became kind of the the porn industry's movie editing choice software that they would buy uh iMacs and stuff like that with iMovie and that's what they would <laughs> use to to edit their film. That was typical low budget films, I guess. You know, why not? You know, I mean what else you know, you could make DVDs out of it too, you know, like you know, you could do whatever. You know, you know, they have it as a commodity. I'm sure they have to keep renewing them. So, you know. So what else do we got here, uh, Guy Searle? What else is the big news of the week? Can you think of anything? Because I, I've been looking online and there's really not any big no. Apple. Well, Mac. There's, the, there's the Mac Trojan you could talk about. Oh, yeah. That's right. There was a big Mac oh. Trojan. If you downloaded, what was it? It was iWork and Adobe Photoshop CS4 from CS4. a tracking site that you can be infected, and chances are you would be infected with a Trojan. And uh, I say good for you. <laughs> I think you deserve <laughs> to get Trojans keep you from getting infected, but yes, particular kind. This one works to see. It's like someone turned the Trojan inside out after the fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, and it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, it serves them right for pirating software. Uh, but does this now 
I mean, with this with this sort of stuff appearing now, do you think it's now the time to start thinking about installing antivirus software on the Mac? No, I don't think so. There's, there's, oh, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the Mac, even this, even that Trojan, it made big news because there just really aren't viruses, you know, floating around on the Mac, and they made big news out of it. But really, this isn't even a clever. Uh, it's not even a clever Trojan. I mean, it's just a, a an application that you had to download illegally, and then you had to go through your own password to install purposely. It's not like you clicked on some email and something got installed. I mean, it's it's really kind of a boneheaded Trojan. It, you know, it's it's just like <laughs> taking any app, rearranging the um, the buttons, and just making one of them reform. Right? You know, it's it's not really clever or smart. Right? Well, but I, no... I, pre- I appreciate that, but the problem is, is that if if it's if it's that easy to modify code. So that when you install an application, this thing gets installed as well. Then uh, what's to stop somebody, you know, getting hold of a, you know, a useful utility like uh, I don't know, take Visual Hub for example, we were talking about before, uh, and uploading a copy of that to a legitimate site that has this thing in there. If you're not running AV, you're not going to know. Well, even the, you know, an virus detector wouldn't tell you that. I mean, you're just installing an application. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's but not the, a virus. But the the, uh, the Intego uh, virus barrier or something would would pick it up as you installed it. It would see the it would see the the, uh, the Trojan as you installed it and warn you. Well, say I took um I took hard drive utility and I just uh, opened it up and went in there and rearranged the interface so it looked like you know some slideshow program. So when you downloaded it, it just you know I mean hard drive utility is on your machine. You use it for formatting hard drives, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, it's it's just not very. The the thing about Max is that um, you know it's built on Unix, and Unix yeah. it's uh, it's a multi-user system. You know, it had security architecture built into it at the very beginning. You know, Windows came from a single-user architecture with security and multi-user capability as an afterthought. Yeah. Oh, I I, un- <laughs> you know? I understand I understand all of that, but but what's interesting about this is it's using social engineering to get to get around a lot of that it's using you know there was there was there was windows viruses that used to do this as well there was the Cornicova one where there was a, a a picture that people wanted to see and so they started downloading it and that was a that was getting trojans onto their systems as well it exploits user behavior to overcome some of the security in the system uh, yeah. and that's exactly what that's exactly what what this is doing so really what i'm, I'm just trying to say is is you know at, at some point i think somebody will hit will hit Max in a big way with something. Uh, and uh, I'm just wondering whether it's time to start considering uh, running at least, a, you know, the occasional virus scan against your hard drive as opposed to like a full AV program that's scanning everything all the time. Well, remember the Mac used to be very prone to uh, yeah, viruses system and stuff. Nine. Well, no, more System 7, System 8. Al, I'm sure, and Owen, I know you probably will remember this too. There was a pre- program that I had on every Mac that I ever worked on was called Disinfectant 4.7. And I ran that thing. If I was going to someone's house to check out their Mac, which I did a lot back then, uh, I always ran Disinfectant. That was the first thing I did when I sat down on their computer. Uh, And I found a lot of Macs back then that were infected. I don't see that as much anymore. One thing you you would notice, though, if you you went into the details, is that 95% of the viruses you would find on the Mac – are macro viruses that are associated with Microsoft products. Yeah, that's true. That's it's like ninety five percent. So really, you, you still got Microsoft in there, you know, doing their, you know, being the doofus and doing things that just opening everything up. You know, um, they just when they when they put when they decided, oh, let's make Explorer 
the navigation tool for our entire uh, interface. System. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and that way we'll not out Netscape. And, and they let let's let it reach way down into our system through the browser. You know, it's like, oh my God! You know, you just opened up, you know, Pandora's box, and and on the on the Apple, you know, you have Safari or Fire. I mean, there are applications that run on top of the UI or on top yeah. of the uh, system, not not you know, with the tendrils deep in there. I mean, Microsoft has just they've just done these weird things that just it's just funny, you know. I mean, <laughs> well, not the people that have to use it. You know, I heard uh, something really amusing yesterday. I was. I saw someone on an iChat pop up that I don't see hardly ever in iChat. I'm not going to say who he is or what company he works for, uh, but he used to uh, hang out at MyMac.com and write for us quite a bit. And I, I was chatting with him a little bit, and he said, uh, hold on a second. So I held on for a second, and he came back and he said, sorry, I'm in a meeting right now with uh, Microsoft. And I said, really? What's the meeting about? And this is a big company he works for, so it's it's two big companies having a meeting. I was like, ooh, what, what's that about? And he says, Oh, they're just telling us about the future of computing, and I couldn't help but laugh. I said, "What the <laughs> hell does Microsoft know about the future of computing?" I mean, <laughs> I, I just I thought that was I I couldn't stop laughing. It wow, oh but yeah, the future of computing yeah, for Microsoft. Go figure. I mean, it, and it doesn't take a genius to figure out how all this happened. No, I mean it, it's history is pretty uh, self evident, but yeah. You know, I'm looking at the financial results from a lot of companies that's coming out right now because of the first quarter just ended. And the tech industry as a whole, man, they were hit hard. But Apple was right up there as far as very profitable, and so was Microsoft. I know Microsoft just laid off a whole lot of people. Um, but still, I mean, Apple and Microsoft are still doing great. What, yeah. do you, what, do you yeah. what do you attribute that to, uh, Al? Do you think that Apple's just doing a lot of things right? They're just making products that – people want or do you think apple's the type of company that's more recession proof than say aol or sun microsystems or companies like that they're recession proof but they have a very loyal following um people who who like who use apple products really love them um uh, so when you have a following like that and I, I don't think apple's necessarily recession proof but they've got a lot of cash in the bank a lot of cash in the bank i i mentioned last week maybe apple should start looking at uh acquiring another company to get them into the living room and my choice was sony because sony is just losing their butt right now and that would yeah there was there was rumors about uh, sony buying apple at one time yeah but that, that ain't gonna happen now apple's Sitting on a cash cow when Sony is just losing money left and right. Uh, the, the other thing to consider, though, Tim, is that um, everything when 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 the entire world, when every company in the entire world essentially gets hit with this, you know, economic crisis, yep. everything goes down. You know, and you know everything goes down. So when you have stock in a company like Apple and your stock goes down, well. You know, you don't say, "Oh my God, what did Apple do?" You know, what's ha you know, you know, everything went down. You know, it's not the fact that they're even you know still so profitable just shows you that um, you know you can't get all out of sorts simply because the entire world is is losing you know losing momentum. Um, I think you still have a really good Apple is is to me it's still a really good investment simply because yeah. it's got sells things that people like. But Apple, Apple's, Apple's stock price has never been directly related to their um, market market performance. I mean, it's kind of a weird company in that way. In that the you know the stock should be really flying high, and yet it isn't. Um, you know, pr presumably because you know it's, it's quite a volatile stock, really. Yes, it is. 
Uh, but it, you know, everybody's is is right now. I mean, <clears throat> companies that are doing well are, are their stock value is going down one day and the next day it goes back up. It, it's crazy. I don't think I'd want to play the market right now. And people no, speculate a lot about Apple. You know, Apple decides to pull out of MacWorld, and um, let me tell you. Macworld hasn't doesn't have anything really to do with Apple, the company. It's you know, uh, it, it's a completely separate uh, convention company that that manages the whole thing, and uh, it, it's like me saying I'm going to have a Tim Robertson convention. Um, hey Tim, do you want to you know bring your company down and have a booth for you know a couple million bucks? And, and if you want to do a keynote, sure that you can rent our our thing. Um, you know, would you want? It is called you know. Robertson, Robertson World. Tim World. You know? Tim World, Tim yeah. World. I mean, it's, it, you look at it, and then when things are tough, and, and yeah, um, everybody clamps down. Apple decides to pull out of Macworld simply because they weren't, you know, I mean, it's not like Macworld's going to be gone. Um, they've already pulled out of Macworld on the East Coast. It's just a, it's a hassle. It's a really huge expense. They don't get much out of it. It seems like a logical business deal. If you went to CES this year, you saw a heck of a lot less companies. So um, everybody's doing it. It's not, you know, Apple isn't singled out. They're just doing responsible things. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but it still doesn't make it any uh, less painful for those of us who love Macworld Expo. And, you know, our, a lot of our business that we do throughout the entire year is set up at Macworld Expo in San Francisco. So, Right, some of the people that we meet. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, uh, for instance, let's talk about this for a second here, um, Owen. You introduced me to someone who's going to become a writer at MyMac.com in the very, very near future, uh, and he's got a very rich history in the computer industry. Uh, his name's Andrew Singer. Can you uh, l- let our listeners and the guys here on the podcast know who Andrew is and why it's really cool that he's going to be writing for us? So I, I've known Andrew for uh, a long time ago. Andrew was... Uh, one of the creators and founders of Think. If you guys remember Think C and Think Pascal. Yep. Uh, he was also the inventor of the, uh, well, one of the inventors of the tilt screen and radius. Uh, his claim to fame was the first FPGA put into a consumer product there. Uh, so he's the one who figured out how basically to make the that tilt work. Uh, we worked together at Interval Research, Paul Allen's research facility. That's where I got to know him again really well. And I recently worked for him his startup called Rapport, um, which unfortunately ran out of money, so it has gotten shut down. Uh, but it was doing a brand new type of parallel processing chip. And like any semiconductor company, we're just there at a bad time, I think. Uh, very, very intelligent guy. He knows the, the computing world well, the Mac community he knows very well. Um, and he's got some, he talked to you about some interesting things he wanted to write. Yeah, it's amazing. So the, the people that he interacted with, is a who's who in the computer industry and in the computer industry's history. And he knew all these people on a first name basis. And he's got so many stories that he's never had an outlet to share with. And I said, Hey, (laughs) hi. I've been talking to him about it for a while because he keeps saying, how do I do what? How do you do that? How do you do that? So uh, it was a good chance to have you meet him since he was there at the show. And I'm really, really appreciative that you did because he's a brilliant guy. He's got some uh, great, historical stories but he's also still doing a lot of stuff right now he's really into film and video work and uh i can't wait for him to start writing he he's actually asked can i do some video stuff too and i'm like yeah twist my arm um and that's just the kind of thing that's i think that 
a lot of the history of the computer industry needs to be told and preserved. Uh, in fact, I was talking to Al earlier about this. I asked Al if uh, Steve Wozniak actually had a, a, an Apple One, and um, that I thought Al should talk Steve into finding it in an, and taking really detailed photography of it, photographs of it. So there's a history of that machine before it gets to the point where you, you know it's it's just not in very good shape. And I think more companies that have such a rich history in the computer industry uh, needs to start looking at that because we need some historical records. We need not just the stories, but really good um, copies of what happened. You know, we need to be able to pass the story down from generation to generation. So future generations can learn where it all started, uh, what not to do, what to do, that sort of thing. Do you ever go to the Computer History Museum when you're in the Bay Area? No, I've been wanting to every time, but when I'm in the Bay Area, it's usually for Macworld Expo. and It's a great place. Yeah, I want to go someday because I've heard it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have, like, you know... It keeps getting better. Everything from, like, tubes, you know, tube stuff, you know, to the Cray. You know, they've got all just the crazy... I think Waz donated one of his machines to them, too. You know, I know they, I know they wanted a Kerbango radio for me. So, you know, they really are – they have a great archive. It's actually a good library kind of place. Yeah, I would like to go there. Uh, but that's – I mean, that's in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. We need something online, not necessarily a central repository because with Google and so many sites out there, I don't think that's necessarily needed. But we just need to get these stories told. We need to get photographs of the Apple One L. <laughs> I want to see them myself. Uh, and you know, if you do a Google search, you'll find some, but they're not really great photos, you know, we, and this is history. Now there's enough 128 K max out there that, um, and there's enough pictures out there that I think that's pretty well covered. But that first Apple machine that sparked this entire computer revolution that we are still experiencing, um, there's no really great photography on that yet. And I would love to see that myself. The other thing I'd like to see is um, <laughs> is video of the uh, of the interfaces and the and the operating systems Absolutely. of some of these machines. I agree because, with you one hundred percent. You know, you see see lots of pictures of them, but they're always turned off. Yep. Go ahead, Al. There was a, a there's a movie that just came out called Welcome to Macintosh. I've got that. Actually, that's yeah. that's one of the things that I was actually watching. <laughs> it's weird that you said that. I was actually watching that, Al. And the uh, and the one that you're talking about, I know exactly the part you're referring to, where the guy built a clone of the original yep. Apple One. I he had just gotten done talking about that. And he says, "I heard Wozniak's got like a half dozen of them in his garage." And uh, I looked on iChat, and you're sitting there, so I was like, "Hey, <laughs> that's why." You know, he that's a funny thing. He could have just I don't know why he didn't just try to contact Woz. And he's, everybody thinks, "Oh, you know, uh, he could they could have you could have very easily contacted him for that." He would he would certainly have helped. Yeah, definitely. Um, you but, know that guy in the movie. You know that guy that was like, you know, Apple's just a sausage factory. Oh yeah, that guy. He that guy worked with me at Carango. Did he? <laughs> that guy really well, yeah. And uh, you know, he 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 provided a lot of contrast for the movie. He kind of made it sort of humorous and funny. He's a really smart guy, but just one of those kind of pessimistic. He's he's the guy that did the startup sound, and he's the guy that did the um, Sosumi sound. Oh really? Who are you talking about, Al? Jim Reeks. The Marines. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, he did the. Um, you know, he's the one that you know. Apple, Apple was told, "Oh, you can't use that sound because it sounds like a xylophone." And Jim said, "Well, it's not a xylophone. It's it's uh, we call it Sosumi." 
and <laughs> Sony. That? Sony was one that it, it said means, that. It means something not musical, <laughs> and they they were able to keep it in. You know, and you know why it was called So Sumi, right? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and explain so, it because the listeners out there aren't going to know. Basically, saying So Sumi, you know. Yep. Oh, no, but so remember, Apple was told by Apple Records, yep. they right. were sued by that they couldn't do music on the Mac. And then this note appears in the beginning of a Mac, and they said, "No, you can't do that." And, and basically, the engineers said, "Yes, yeah, so sue me." So because we're doing music, you know. It's like, it was called xylophone to begin with, because it is a xylophone. Right. Now, doesn't, doesn't Apple Computer own that record label now in a roundabout way that they bought the name from them and then they're licensing it back to them? Uh, yeah, I don't. Some like two I don't years ago. That, but it's, Possible, yeah. yeah, like two years ago, Apple actually acquired the the worldwide rights to Apple, and uh, that well, was the big holdout. They must have had to do that. They must have had to do that. Apple Records was basically a handful of lawyers sitting in an office suing people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, Apple had enough cash, as you pointed out earlier, they could just buy these guys and say, okay, we're doing music now. You know, we're doing it in a big way, and you're not going to sue us over this because we'll just buy you. So... It's a it's a good uh, movie. Anybody who hasn't gotten it yet, you can actually order the DVD online. I did. Uh, got it really quickly, too. I was surprised. I brought it to Macworld Expo guy, and you and I yeah, tried to stay never. awake to watch it. <laughs> no, we yes. were so tired at the end of the day, never even got a chance. Well, we started to but, one day, and, and then I had to turn it off because the snoring got too loud on the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah, and who was that? I don't know. I think it was Owen when he showed up there one day. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can get Mac heads on iTunes as well. Macheads is released out there on iTunes? I think so, yeah. It's weird that these two movies came out roughly the same time, and uh, Macheads seemed to get all the attention, but yet, um, and I haven't seen it, so I, I can't say whether it's great or not, but um, The Welcome to Macintosh is a fantastic film if you're into Apple and, and Apple history and that sort of thing. It's it's fantastic. Really great interviews. In, yeah. If you're into that, you should see both of them, really. Yeah, I think so. And I'll definitely nope. get Mac heads when it, uh, well, you said it's up on, on iTunes, so I'll probably just buy it there. What is it, like 10 bucks or something? Something like that. Yeah, hopefully it's not any more than that, because if it is, I'm, I'd am i rather just buy the disc the at that point. Right. Or, hey, I want to review it. Send me a copy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the listeners of the podcast um, wanted me to mention that they're doing a well, let me see. Globalgamejam.org is the website, and I guess it's uh, it's running this weekend in Detroit. I don't know what it's about. Let me. It's a global game jam. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming, but I have no idea what that is. The first jam starts. Okay, well, I don't know what this is. What is game jam? And game jam participants come together to make video games. Oh, okay, cool. I know what that is. They've got some uh, big time sponsors too. Take Two Interactive is there. Uh, Unity, a whole bunch of companies. Ustream is a, an additional sponsor, so we'll definitely give them out a, a shout out. And uh, so there you go, Pain Bank. Just for you, I, I gave the shout out as I promised I would. The big uh, companies aren't stupid, there, Tim. The game companies should be all should be there. That's where they find their next wizards. That's true, and the gaming industry really needs stuff like that because there's so many different platforms to produce games for. And I'm the most interested in the iPhone gaming market, to be honest, because I've been playing a lot of games on my iPhone. Um, what is the one I just downloaded today? They said it was a GTA clone, like, and it's horrible. Uh, at least the first <laughs> 10 minutes of playing, it was just atrocious. It, I couldn't control the guy right. He was running all over the place. 
Um, it, it just it's like GTA One, where it was a top down. It was horrible. I don't know why they call it a GTA clone because it's not. And plus, thank you, David Cohen. It's it's based in the UK, so I kept driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be the correct side of the road. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Darn it. <laughs> so, anyways. They drive, um, drove, drive on the right side, not the correct side. That's right. They drive on the right, not the correct. So anybody else got anything else before we wrap this show up? Mm, don't think so. Nobody? Okay. It's quiet out there. Well, this we podcast. Don't have to tell, we do have to ask people to go. I remember to... this time too, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. Did you say it yet? Nope. Go ahead. No, not yet. Nope. No, go ahead, Tim. It's... Well, we do ask everyone that's listening to the podcast or watching us on Ustream to go up to, <clears throat> excuse me, our YouTube or our YouTube or iTunes <laughs> channel uh, in iTunes and uh, rate the give show. Yeah, you know, yep. give us a review. Uh, we're hoping that more people do that will kind of boost us up, and eventually, maybe after you know five years of doing this, it would be great if someone at Apple in the iTunes division could actually feature us in iTunes. And we can get some more listeners that way. That would be, I don't know, that'd be pretty fantastic because it's really kind of discouraging when you go to the tech section in iTunes podcasting and we're not listed in the featured at all, but a podcast that's been out for two weeks is. <laughs> it's like, wow, really? Okay, that's fine. It, it's it's yep. nice to have friends in high places, but we obviously don't. But if you can uh, give us a review, maybe it'll boost us up there a little bit. Someone at Apple will. I know people at Apple listen to the show. I've, I get email from them. I talked to them at the Macworld Expo. They do listen, but obviously not the right people. So yeah, the more from iTunes, apparently. No. So the more people that can rate our show, uh, maybe we'll start getting a little bit of attention from the iTunes gods, and we'll get featured one of these days. We also want to thank Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this podcast. Oh, big time. I, I was showing this earlier, Guy, because mine broke, and I mentioned this at their booth during the Macworld Expo, and they actually sent me a brand new, I haven't taken it out of the box yet either, USB 2.0 universal drive adapter. It's a fantastic item. Oh, I that is it. a great gadget. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It works. Now, is with, that the is that the SATA one or is that the, uh, the well, one for ATA? No, no, no. This is the one for USB, uh, IDE, ATA, and SATA. So it's, oh, okay. it's so it does yeah. universal, yeah. That's and it's kind of it, it's kind of like a jumble of wires. Yes, it's fantastic. It's 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 external one. It's, it's so great. I mean, you can you can boot anything with that. I'm holding it up right now for the uh, Ustream video. Here, I'll actually... Ooh, a live unboxing. I can't lie. I've, I've actually opened the box. But I haven't done anything with it because I haven't had a drive that I needed to. So... Uh, I, I, uh, I've got one of those. Uh, I, they just sent me one as well. I used it last week to clone one of the um, Hackintosh drives to, to do another one. Uh, and it worked oh, absolutely fantastically. Here, here's oh, the power jealous. brick. I, I tried to get one, so... There, there's the power brick, um, and here's the, the, the genius behind the whole thing. It's, if I can get it out of its package, here's the little controller, and this is what all the wires plug into for the Ustreamers. Uh, I keep forgetting where my eyesight camera is, and I go one way or the other. And then it's just got a whole bunch of wires, as Al was talking about, just the collection of wires that you need to plug in almost any drive out there and get it mounted on your desktop. That way you don't have to buy another enclosure just to pull something off an older disc. Um, I can't tell you how many older Macs that I've got laying around this house. It would be great if I can just <laughs> pull Many, the, many. Yeah. Well, some of them <laughs> I'm never going to get the information off, to be honest. But just to be able to, to pop that drive out of there 
And instead of enclosing it in another USB hard drive um, enclosure or firewire, I just plug it in, get what I need off of it, and put it away. It's fantastic. Hard drives yeah. are going so cheap nowadays. And yeah, there's, such, a, there's a two terabyte drive out now. I heard there's a two terabyte drive and a single drive with two terabytes. I, you know, do you really trust that, Al? I don't know. Two terabytes on one drive is this sounds like a, a disaster waiting to happen. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to buy the first one, that's for sure. No, no, I wouldn't either. Now, there was a big story. Was it Seagate was having all the problems with their drives? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was Seagate, wasn't it? It was, and uh, they've they've issued a firmware patch now. But I think the thing you've got to remember, it goes back to what you were just saying about this two-terabyte drive. The tolerances on these things are so tight, and they're doing so much error correction because effectively most of the data they're pulling off, off those drives is, is bad because um, the, the data is, is packed so tightly. So it's amazing they work at all. So I'm not surprised that as, as drive capacities go up, um, that that we, I think we're going to see... Yeah, we're going to see more well, and more of these sorts of problems where, you know, a coding bug or something like that is just going to make the drives unusable. If yeah. you look at yeah, the mean pull. time between failure per bit, the thing ships from the factory with errors. That's right, yeah. Right, yeah, I mean, this, this many bits per, per megabyte or whatever the number was guarantees you there's errors. Hmm. Yeah, put it in a Drobo. Sorry? <laughs> put it in, put in, a, it in a Drobo. We're not getting paid for them. We're not going to give them advertising. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to mention, and I said this last week on the show when we were talking about the micro drive. What was it? The uh, micro track two from M Audio that uh, Otherworld Computing let us borrow to record our podcast at the MacWorld Expo. I should say that almost half the stuff that you guys heard during the MacWorld Expo that was not done by me personally. That was done by John Nemo, such as the David Pogue uh, interview and that sort of thing. He actually did that on an Iterol R09HR professional recorder. And uh, he said, definitely let them know that. And that was my mistake, John. I forgot that you were using the Adderall. And, uh, man, that, that that's a good little recorder, too. So if you're looking for portable recording, there's some choices out there, and they're not too expensive. So check those out if uh, you have the need, the need for speed. So I think that's going to wrap up the show this week, guys. I can't think of anything else to uh, waste the listeners' time on. Can you? <laughs> Just laughter and silence. Al, I want to thank you for coming on the show this week. It's been a long time, and uh, anytime you want to come on, just drop me an email, or you see me all the time in iChat. Say, hey, when are you guys recording the show? And you're on, man. Um, obviously, we did the interview, the big interview thing with you last time, and uh, I, I kind of like the, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like the, the, the guest co-host thing. It, it's fun. Um, get your opinion on what's going on in the world. And, of course, if your friend Steve Wozniak happens to be around at the same time, Bring him on the show, too. We'll have fun with him. No, if, I'm if sorry. I, who's that again? Some Waz guy. I knew when you were doing it, you know, and I happened to be there. Yep. Yeah. It's it's real easy. It's every Thursday. Every Thursday. Huh? Every, yeah, except, every Thursday. except when it isn't. Except for when it isn't. Uh, isn't there – there's a there's a movie that Waz is in coming out called Camp Waz, right? Hmm. Yep. It's uh, – it, it looks like a – you can see the trailer. There's a uh, – I put a link for, on Waz.org that, you, you know, you can just – Click on it. It's um, it looks pretty good. It's called uh, Camp Waz: The Admirable Lunacy of Philanthropy. Um, <laughs> so it. he has like ten kids that are you know troubled kids, and they just stay in his house for a week all together. And it's just really neat, you know. He just treats them like real people, and they just have a blast. And uh, it looks like it's going to be a neat. The guy who who did the film was Joe Patain. He was uh, actually one of the kids that was on 
Real World on MTV. He was one of the guys that's involved in promoting this film. Um, it was one of the early real worlds when they first started coming out. When it was an actual real world where they were living in the real world instead of the yeah. pretend stuff that they started doing years later. Right. Yeah. I love the first season of The Real World. That was such a fantastic show, and it was... It's hard to say real world. Yeah, it is, because, I mean, they're under the, the lights the whole time, but it was kind of a precursor to what you're seeing online nowadays, really. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> it looks fun. It looks like a good movie. Uh, it looks like it's going to be in very inspirational. And you can check out uh, the trailer. Yep, thewaz.org. If you don't know how to get to Steve Wozniak's website, then you're not a real Mac user. <laughs> David Cohen. How do you spell that? Uh, the, the W is silent, so it's just. Oz. <laughs> Oz, yes. W-O-Z.org. Uh, David Cohen, you're going to yep. be joining us next week? Absolutely. All righty. I think I might put you in charge of picking the winner in the Ustream chat room. Okay. Yeah. I, that way, it's not, I don't. It's not like bias. Except, don't pick yeah. Pat. That's all I say. Don't yeah, pick Pat. Just uh, <laughs> uh, anybody. Anybody wants to bribe me, you can just send me a Twitter at David B Cohen. That's right, Guy Searle. You're not going to be here next week. No, I won't be here next week. Sorry, okay. guys. Uh, well, we'll we'll carry on without you. And Owen Rubin, are you going to be with us next week? If I get a microphone. <laughs> if you get a microphone, you're still waiting, huh? In a turntable. Uh, one last thing. Be here next week. Sam Levin obviously wasn't here this week with his cool Mac picks, and that's because he is intimately involved in the Teens and Tech Conference. Uh, I sure wish you I could say it that way. Teens and Tech Conference, yeah. No. Intimately involved. Intimately involved. <laughs> sure. Uh, if if your dirty mind wants to read more into it than that, that's up oh, to I you. Don't guy. Have a dirty mind. <laughs> Uh, it, it's a really cool conference. I wish I can go. It's this weekend in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, go up to teens and teens and tech con C O N F dot com. And you'll find all the information. Just Google it. Just teens and tech conference and, yeah. and you'll find all the information. What was you going to say, Owen? I'm planning to be there. I will take pictures. Cool. That would be great. We'll get them posted online. And, uh, you know, it, this is the future of what we're doing right now. You know, these teens that are out there are the future of the computing industry, and I'm I'm loving the fact that they're having this conference. That big companies are going to be there listening to what these teens have to say because they're the future, and actually they're the present as well. They're already creating content that we're all enjoying. So, um, you know, su support the teens out there that are really into technology. That's all I can say. Anything else, guys? I said that the third time, so I'm going to wrap it this time. Okay. So once again, thanks to MacSales.com, Otherworld Computing, for sponsoring the podcast. Check out MyMac.com for, what, reviews, tutorials, blog posts, uh, the podcast, you name it. It's up there on the site. There's a lot of content right now and a lot more coming. So yep. for Owen, Guy, David, and Al, I'm Tim, and we're out of here. Bye. Bye. <laughs>